Isn't it crazy to think that this day, this weekend's here already? Like the end of 2019. Is it just me or does it seem like it goes quicker every year? I've always had people tell me, and there are always people who are, who are older than you. They say, just wait, it only goes faster. Does anyone else find that to be true? Really? It's true, right? The older you get, the faster the years seem to fly by. And it's like a never-ending freight train. It just goes quicker and quicker. And for some of us, it's like hardly even fair how quick this year even went. Uh, it just flew by. But then I'm willing to bet like a lot of you feel that way, but I know that there's also some people here who have felt and maybe feel right now this year just drugged by. Like you couldn't wait for it to be over. It was the worst year ever. <laughs> it just drug on and on. What's, what's, what's neat is that we have people sitting here today that are across all lines. You have some that for you, man, 2019, that was the year. Like there's some news that you got, like good news, or, there, or there's something in your family. Like there's, there's different things, life transitions that you are just beyond excited about, and you can't even wait. And you're, you think to yourself, if 2020 is anything remotely close to how this year went, whoo, it's going to be good. But then there's some of us, some of you, the, the 2019, it was terrible. And maybe it's because there's someone who's not here now that was there at the beginning. Uh, maybe it's a relationship that suddenly ended. Whatever it is, but you find yourself here, and it was a really long year. You're not even sure if you want 2020 to come. And you'd be okay if it just didn't. And maybe you feel like you're just, you're just at your wit's end. No matter where you are, the, the reality is it's coming, Right? This week, it's the end of 2019 that seems to have just began, and 2020 is coming. And what if this year, this next year, whether you had a good year or a bad year, doesn't matter. What if this next year could be a year that you have only ever dreamed about? Could be a year that you didn't even think was possible. If you had a good year, what if it could get even better? I'm not saying like accumulating more stuff. I'm saying like it could actually get better. Like it could have even more of a purpose, even more meaning. Like something could happen that, that would allow it to be even better. Or what if you had a terrible year in 2020? What if that could be like a transitional year? What if that could be a year that, man, it just, it, it marked the start of something new, of something different? I'm not saying that to say, well, here's the five steps to doing that. I'm not that way. I'm just saying, what if, it, what if it could happen? What if you could have a year in 2020 that you've only ever dreamed about and that most people will only just dream about? Today, we're going to start a mini-series. And you've heard me say this before. I really like the in-between weeks between series sometimes because you get the reset. But this time, it's not just one message. It's two. We're going to do a short mini-series that bridges into the new year, that welcomes in the new year. And I really think that this series is something actually all of us need because I think it's what we're all after. Because when you think of this time of year, the New Year's resolutions and all the goals that you're setting for yourself, it's really chasing after one thing. And I don't use blanket statements often anymore when I preach because I think it's unfair because not everything applies to everybody. But this one I think applies to most. All of us are doing these things and because we're searching for something that I think the title of this series actually recognizes. It's we want to know how to have a year we've only ever dreamed about. We want to know how to have a year that is unlike any other. A better year. A more meaningful year. For some, we're praying for a slower year. <laughs> for some, maybe we're praying that something exciting finally happens. Whatever it is, we want something new. And I think this series can actually give that to us. Because we need a reset. 
And 2020 can be that. It could be a year that most people only dream about. And I really believe that can be the case. But I want to challenge you before we jump into the next couple weeks. I don't want you to keep this a secret. Whatever you learn, whatever your takeaways are, I don't want you to keep it a secret. Because it's not a best kept secret. And the more you share it, it doesn't mean there's less for you. All right? I want you to share what you learn because people need to hear good news. In our culture, we need to hear how to have a year we've only ever thought was a fantasy to become a reality. And I want you to share what you learn in the next couple weeks. Okay? Can you do that? Awesome. Thank you for your agreeing. (laughs) Everyone's like, I don't like answering. (laughs) So fun fact about me. Not that you care about fun facts about me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, I have this weird thing, like obsession, maybe an obsession. I'm not to the point where I call it an addiction yet, with bags. Now, don't laugh. You've got your own weird thing. Let me have mine, okay? I have this weird thing with bags. I'm always searching for the best ultimate pack that's gonna get me through life. I don't know why. It's like a security blanket, but for an adult. I love backpacks. I love shoulder bags, computer bags, gym bags, duffel bags, fanny packs. Just kidding on the last one, probably. But I... I like bags. I just, I'm weird. I got this thing and I'm always searching for like the next one and I find one. I'm like, man, this thing, it's got all the cool pockets. I can put everything right here and it's got enough room where if like something bad were to happen, I know I can throw the things, you know, the the stuff that every normal person thinks about, I think. But, uh, and then as soon as I find it, I'm like, well, then there's this new one. That's really cool. I think I need that one too. And it started for me in like high school. And it happened. And throughout the years, and I'll just tell you, all the bags you're going to see today, they're mine. And it's not even all of them. Don't, you got your weird thing, let me have mine. And, and it's, it's, I didn't bring my wife's or anything, so I just wanted you to see maybe my problem. But I, I have all these, these bags because, I, and you're probably wondering, why on earth, Philip, are you telling us this? This is kind of weird, dude. Like, take your bags and go home, okay? Well, here's why I'm telling you this. Because all of us have baggage. Every one of us. All of us carry around baggage whether we want to admit it or not. And for some, the baggage that that you have, you've earned yourself. You've you've received yourself. You wanted it. We pick up all kinds of baggage throughout life. For some, it might be like maybe debt on a new house. You got to take out a loan to build your house. That's, That's baggage that you're putting on yourself. But you want a place to live. So there's that baggage. But then there's some that we feel, and I know there's people here that feel this way, and and you're going to recognize it right away. There's some that we feel was just given to us. Baggage from others or baggage that we feel like we have no control over. It's baggage that we almost feel like is a weight tied around our ankles at times. We had no control. We didn't ask for this, but it was given to us by family or or something. But it's, it's there. And before we know it, we actually end up moving through life with with a whole lot of baggage. And the journey to us getting that, it starts really young. And what I'm hoping to do today is to understand why do we have it, where does it come from, and what can we do about it? But you know, the journey does start young. It starts really early to us picking up baggage. It could be one of those, maybe it was a not nice comment on the playground at preschool. Or maybe you were the one giving the not nice comment. I don't know. But it it was that one thing that as you're an adult now, you don't think it's not a big deal. It was nothing. It's small. It doesn't weigh a lot. But it's still there. 
in a way, it kind of marked you. It might have been a bully, or it might have, it might even been something that a parent said, or something a parent did that it, it kind of stung. You know, they didn't mean it at the time, but it kind of stung, and it's there, but you barely feel it. Like it's just there, and maybe it's out of sight, out of mind, but it it is there. But then there's other. There's other wounds, aren't there? There's other baggage we accumulate. A lot of us, it's childhood baggage. It's not just the things I just described, but it's, it's sometimes it's really traumatic things. Some of you come from broken families like I do, and you remember when all of that happened, and you had no control over it. And it almost felt unfair at the time, but it happened. And maybe even for you, this, is, this is, was my baggage. Is, as I got older, I know I came from a broken home, and I went through a school to learn how to be a preacher. And all these, like, you, you know, you eventually want to get married and have a child, but all of these people tell you that if you come from a broken home, you're probably going to end up a broken home. I don't think they meant to throw that much baggage on me, or maybe you if you've heard that, but that's what they say. And you're like, well, why even try? Because I'm just going to end up like my parents. Why, why even try? So there's that baggage. And you, you didn't ask for it, but it's there. And then for some, it's, it's other kinds of baggage. You, you didn't ask, but it might have been just maybe a kind of oppressive, maybe even an abusive situation at home. And it's there. And even now, later in life, you, you recognize it. And it's, it's honestly kind of a little bit, little bit bigger deal than you would ever admit. But it's there. Before you know it, you start kind of looking like this a little bit. But there's another form of baggage that I think is universal to all people, to all human beings, and it's something that all of us have. It's relational baggage. Oh man, we need a big one for that. Maybe it was that relationship that you had that you thought was going somewhere, and then you went to college, and it stopped. Or, you know, for a lot of us, our, our baggage with relationships starts really young, right? A lot of it starts in elementary school or maybe preschool. I got a girlfriend. You're like, no, it's just a friend. You know, just leave her alone and you never talk. But then there's junior and senior high and maybe things start to get a little serious. But there's always that point where it ends. Sometimes for the first time. And even though you're a grown person and maybe you're married, there's still like those things kind of marked you and you remember that heartache. It's still there. But then maybe you had a lot of relationships that ended. And maybe you were always told it was your fault. Or maybe it was. No matter what, we have the baggage and it's heavy. And it kind of gets in our way. Sometimes even in our current relationships, it gets in the way because it's still there. Isn't it? The memory and for a lot of people, they bring that into their current relationships. But maybe it's not even romantic relationships at all. Maybe it's relationship with your parents. Boy, it's stressed, it's fractured, and it just seems like it's never going to end. But it's there. And every holiday season, you can't wait for them to be over. You, f you actually empathize with the Grinch. That's how bad it is. But then there's other baggage that we accumulate. It's not just relational baggage and childhood wounds and everything, but there's those transitions in life. Some of them we can't help, like maybe the time that you lost your job. You didn't see it coming, but you lost it. Or maybe it was getting older, and people don't recognize that transition enough. I don't think that you get older and you can't do the things you used to be able to do, and, and you start to watch as your friends aren't here anymore, and, and it's scary, and it's, it's heavy. It's baggage. Other kinds of transitions, but there's one that I think is pretty big, and it's one that all of us feel in short supply of, especially in America, time. Boy, we feel like we don't have enough time. 
Whether, and, and for some of you, it's not even your fault that you're so busy. It was just given to you because maybe your kids are involved in way too much or maybe transitions in your family that they require a little bit extra attention and you feel like your time is just draining and it's big and it's heavy and you have it. And before we know it, we look like this. You can go and say, this is a dumb illustration, Philip. Like you look ridiculous. I understand. But this is how we look, isn't it? And you know what the crazy part is? Here's what we do. We start to position our baggage and we organize it throughout life. We compartmentalize it. We organize it. We start to put it in places where maybe we don't see it anymore or maybe when others look, it, it, it looks nice and organized. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. I'm good. But we, we kind of organize it. You know where the place is that we do this the most? Check your Instagram feed or your Facebook. That's where we do this the most. For some, we, we, we feel like our baggage holds us prisoner, so our social media is a place where we can be free from that. We don't have to air our real selves. And then for some of us, we're proud of it. We're like, yeah, I got all this. You guys don't even know. Those are the f- people that you typically unfollow. But they're there. And then for some of us, we like to package it all, and and we kind of like the model with it. Like, I know I could never make it. I get it. I get it. That's why I'm a pastor. But we we take it with us. You see what I'm saying? And before long, we move through life like this. Weighed down with tons of baggage, and we take it with us everywhere we go. And before long, we feel completely overloaded. And before... Before we move on into the new year, I've got to tell you that I believe the first step to having a year that most people, including yourself, have only ever dreamed about is to do something about this. It's to do something about the baggage. Because all of us have it. But what can be done? What can be done? Where does it even come from? Sometimes we don't even recognize it. Like, how did that even get there? Well, I think we can learn where it comes from and how to deal with it from a guy that I think is very wise. And, it, and it's a guy that you hear a lot about in the life of Jesus. His name's Peter. He's one of Jesus' closest friends. And he actually, with what we read today, I think gives us the key to unlocking a year that most have only dreamed about, including yourself. He shows us how to get rid of this and how to not walk with it anymore. I'll read the words as you turn there, and then we'll hang out there again. There won't be anything on the screen, so get out your phone or whatever you're using to look at the word, or just, just hang out and just listen, okay? But here, it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. I'll read it as you find it, and then I'll read it again, okay? Here, here's what it says. Listen to these words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is a letter. 
And it's written by a guy named Peter, the Apostle Peter. Why do we call him that? Because he walked with Jesus. He was a good friend of Jesus. And he writes to a group of Christians who have a lot of baggage, just like you and I. Their baggage, I would actually classify as pretty severe. Like their baggage was they were, they were afraid to talk about their faith. Not only that, but they were being killed because of it. They were being persecuted. They had a lot of baggage, a lot of anxiety. And I don't know about you, but there's something comforting to me when I read in the Bible and understand that even people back then dealt with anxiety like we do now. And people back then had baggage just like we do now. It might look a little different, but they had it. And Peter shows them how to ditch their baggage. And the best part is he tells us where it comes from. And you might have missed it, but just hang on because we're going to go back there again. So let's read it again. Listen to some of the key words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So, how do we shake the baggage? I think we're going to find out how. And the first part is to understand where it comes from. You have to go to the source. Some of us have this and we don't even know where it comes from. Or we don't know why, even though it's there, maybe we couldn't even control that it's there, that some of it was there. We don't know why our minds always go back to it. We don't know why we're always faced with the, this, this realization, maybe we're not enough, or maybe it's our fault, or you're always going to have that baggage, there's no way to get free. We have to go to the source. Did you know, we were actually created to live baggage-free. We were, every single person was created to live completely free from anxiety, from worry, from self-doubt, all of that. We were created to live completely free and in harmony, not ever having baggage to carry around. That's how we were created. But some like to ignore the reference in this passage, and it's an important one. The reference to the roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's pretty dark to put in a letter meant to bring people hope. But what I love about Peter's writing is he gives you some reality and hope all in the same package. The reality is, and we have to understand this, that there is an enemy. There is. And so often I think we feel like there's not or we try to pretend there's not. There is an enemy. And I'm not saying we blame because I think there's two extremes to the devil talk. Okay, When we talk about the devil or the enemy or Satan or whatever name you want to call him. There's two different extremes I think that we typically go on. The one extreme is we just kind of act like he's not there. We're in denial. We just pretend that it's not real. We're just like, well, we're just down on our luck or the Lord is just testing me today. Let me just tell you, God doesn't give you baggage to test you and see how you do. He doesn't do that. But then there's the other extreme that the devil talk is like all we talk about. We give him too much credit. Like, well, the devil made me do it or the devil's in the works or, you know, there's an enemy and he's just out to get us and it's all bad. And and we err on the other side. (laughs) What we've got to recognize is this. The enemy is real. I want you to know that. I think the the way to go into the new year is to recognize the enemy is real. 
And he is looking. And he is seeking. He's real. But some of the baggage does come from the enemy. But some of it we picked up ourselves, but we allow the enemy to keep drawing us back to there. Those lies, you know what I'm talking about. They're the lies that tells you it was your fault. They're the lies that tells you you're never going to be forgiven, that you're not good enough, that you lost your place. You know exactly what they are. It's the enemy. But Peter then says to resist. He says resist him. Now if Peter, someone who walked side by side with Jesus, tells you to resist the devil... That means you can. That means that it's possible to live baggage free. It's possible to resist. It actually is. And you can as well. I've met a lot of students. I did, I, I did youth ministry for a long time. I met a lot of students. And, and you know this. We give students a hard time. They always think they're the only ones that struggle the way they do. Their problems are unique. You don't understand as if you weren't their age before and have the same kinds of problems. And I used to think that was only a problem for students. <laughs> then I started ministry with adults. And I realized very quickly it's a human problem. Because adults think the same thing. You just don't understand. My baggage is unique. I have a package very uniquely. It's unique. You don't understand. And we think that nobody else gets it. But what's really neat about this passage is it tells us that universally everybody struggles. And the struggle comes from the enemy. And he tells us we can actually resist the enemy. You can, even if you don't believe me yet, drop the baggage and be baggage free. You can. You can live that way. It actually can happen. So many of us live with this fear that the world's out to get us and the enemy is out to get us. Well, yeah, that's true. The enemy is out to get you. But it's nothing to be anxious about because... <laughs> Yeah, he's a roaring lion, and he's out to get you, and he's going to try to throw baggage at you and make you focus on your baggage, but he's lost. Don't forget that. And yeah, he's there, but he's no match for you. Not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus can do and is doing through you. Because of your faith... In Jesus, and if you don't believe in it, this is, this is the beauty of a relationship with Jesus. One of the many awesome things. You can resist. You can go back to living how you're meant to live. Baggage free. We can resist him. But there's a key. And it's something we often don't recognize because so often we think it's up to us. Only us. We, we read Peter's words, resist him, and we think it's up to me to resist him. But we miss how he opens up the ending of his letter. Because that's the ending we read. He opens it up with a word that I think is missing from, from our lives. That I believe is key to losing this. Humility. Humble yourselves. Is how he starts. What is humility? I used to think of it in negative terms. Like humility is for sissies. Until I became a follower of Jesus. Here's what humility means. It's a modest view of one's importance. It means you realize you're not the center of the universe. And it means you realize you're not the only one with baggage. And you realize that you're not the only one who can do something about your baggage. Humility is key. And we miss it. But we have to understand that it takes a great deal of humility to lose our baggage and to live baggage free. 
Christians who walk around like this, they are a direct contradiction to the freedom we're supposed to have in Jesus. Christians who walk like this, and many of us do. I've done this. I do this still. We walk around and think about it. Others can sense it, can't they? You know exactly who the people are on your Facebook or in your life that always dragging around their baggage, putting the attention towards it. And you know maybe even followers of Jesus, and maybe you've been this yourself, where you talk about, man, this following Jesus is so great. Oh, I got this baggage. It just keeps dragging around. People can sense that. And it handicaps our ability to have both hands to actually do what we need to do to move through life. There's got to be a level of humility to realize our anxieties are not ours to bear. And I find it really interesting that it's Peter who writes this. That just really blows me away. If, you're, if you've talked about Peter before or if you understand who he is in the Bible, it's really interesting because he was like the one apostle that it didn't come naturally to. Humility. He was the one that when Jesus said, all of you are going to desert me, he goes, no, uh I don't know what you're saying, Jesus, but I am here till the end, buddy. I am not leaving. And what did he do? He ran. And I think he had to work at it over and over again. Even in some of the early writings in Acts, we sense that Peter still struggled a little bit with humility. And over time, you watch this man transform, and you hear it in this letter, that he's now understands the key to losing his baggage. He understands the key to living anxiety-free. Worry-free. Cast your anxieties on him because Peter's humble enough now to realize. And I hope that we can be as well. The baggage isn't ours to carry. It's not. It's not yours. And your job isn't to carry somebody else's. Once we recognize where it all comes from, that there is an enemy, and once we recognize we can actually defeat him, and we can live baggage free. And we, once we recognize that humility is key. If you can get those three things. It will free you up to do what Peter tells us to do in this passage. Cast all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. If you can get to that place. You can do exactly what he tells you to do. And let me tell you this. When you actually willingly give up that, the baggage that you're carrying around. It opens the door for Jesus to care for you. And don't miss this. When we get out of the way. Jesus can get in the way. And he can get in the way of the enemy. And he can get in the way of the baggage. And he can take it. But we have to get out of the way. You know what happens when we get out of the way? And let Jesus get in? The, those earliest wounds. This is what happens. Those earliest things. That they're still there. You may not think about them a lot, but they're still there, and sometimes they come up. But when you let him get in the way, and when you recognize that it wasn't your fault, it doesn't define you, you can give it back. It's not, it's not yours. Those early childhood wounds that all of us have, the bully on the playground, or the things that our parents said or maybe the fractured relationship we started to have with our parents back then. Maybe, a, maybe you saw your parents like I did um, um, separate. And, you know, all the studies show you that if you come from a broken home, it's always going to be that way. All, that's, not, that's not mine. It's not the boss of me. It doesn't matter. It's not my baggage. 
all the, all the transitions that you go through in life, especially the relational transitions, you know, the big bag, all of us have relational baggage. That guy that said you weren't fun to be with anymore, or maybe he started liking somebody else, or that relationship you had that you thought was really going somewhere and it suddenly ended. The fracture relationship with your mom or your dad, it doesn't define you. It's not the boss of you. It's not. And in 2020, if you can come to the place of humility to recognize that's not yours to bear, that it doesn't mark you, you can do this. It's not yours. All the transitions, the transitions that we didn't see coming, that we lost our job, that doesn't mean that we're not hireable. It doesn't mean that we're a terrible employee. It doesn't define us. We're not marked by what we do. We're marked by who we are. It's not your baggage to carry anymore. The busyness, we probably needed a lot bigger baggage for busyness, didn't we? The busyness that all of us feel, that you feel like you're in charge of everybody else's happiness and you don't want them to be upset at you, it's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's not yours to bear. It gets in the way. And it doesn't have to anymore. Anything else that you find that you're carrying around, and, and you'll notice it. And even once you get to the end, you'll, you'll notice that some keeps coming back. Got to remember, it's not yours to bear. And then there's the big one. We all have the big one. It's that thing that when everything else we can give away, but there's that one we hold on to and it's big because that one's the one we hang all the other mess ups on. That's the one that we hang everything else on that we feel like really does identify us. And it takes a great deal of humility to understand that it's also not ours to bear. And we give it back. We call this message baggage claim because we need to let the one claim it who came and bought it. And that's Jesus. It's his. It's not yours. And that brings me a lot of hope. And you see what happens when we're baggage free? We're free. And we can be free to serve. We can be free to live. Free to love. We can be free to do what God's given us to do. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't buy into this whole thing. I know that you have felt the weight of your baggage. And you can try everything that you possibly can. And I know you're like, nothing seems to work. It's not that this works like it's some magic pill you swallow. It's because the baggage you're carrying isn't yours to carry. And that's the invitation. Check out verse 10. Here's why I think when we get out of the way, Jesus can get in the way. Because Peter tells us in verse 10 that the God of all grace will himself restore you. Will himself raise you up. And to his be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When we give it back, he will raise you up. And even though we suffer for a little while, he says, he will raise us up. I hope you know that it's not yours to bear. So this week, I want you to do something really practical. I, I, like, I like practical things. I want you to get practical. As we go into next week, because this is just part one of a two-part series, I want you to do one thing, just one thing. I want you to identify your baggage. So often we ignore it. I want you to name it. I want you to, whatever you got to do, write it down, text it out, whatever. But I want you to identify it. 
And then here's what I want you to do. You're going to go, whoa, that's too easy. Well, it's hard to do, but it's easy to say. I want you to make a plan on how you're going to give that back. It's not like Jesus magically takes it from you. You notice the action is on your part in this passage. Cast your anxieties. Not he just magically takes them and you feel like you can live a kuna matata the rest of your life. That's, it's not some like health and wealth gospel. It's, it's you have to do something. You have to identify your baggage and give it back. So make the list. Check it twice. And make a plan on how you're going to give that back. And for some of you, your baggage that you carry is so severe. I want you to know that you're probably going to have to enlist the help of someone. A counselor. Somebody. Because it was so traumatic for you. And we need to just erase the the stigmatisms in your eye. We need to erase the thing (laughs) that tells people that mental health is a bad thing. It's not at all. Go get help. Seriously. That's how you're going to give that anxiety back. Cast that anxiety. Maybe you need to go talk to someone. Let this year be the year you do that. For some of you, it's accountability. You need someone to hold you accountable. Because there's, there, there's some of us that when we scroll through Facebook or something, we have this fear of missing out. Like our lives aren't as good as that. And, and it causes us to been, spend so much time comparing our story with somebody else's. And maybe you set a timer on your phone screen time or an accountability partner that helps you focus not so much on other people's story but on yours and what God's writing in your story. Whatever it is, let's make a plan, okay? To give the baggage back to who it belongs to. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And if you're wanting to know, well, all right, that's step one is to get rid of the baggage. What's step two? Well, you gotta come back next year. Is next year, next week. We'll give you the second part. But I didn't want to give that today because I think first, we have to address the mess. We have to do something about our baggage. I would love for you to be able to enter this year completely anxiety-free and worry-free. And know that it'll still try to come back. (laughs) New baggage is always going to be there. It's up to you if you get to pick it up and take it with you. Let's constantly give that back. That's what I want for you is to live that way. I want to live that way. And next year, as in next week, step two, let's pray. God, thank you so much that we are able to give this back. It's not ours to bear. It's yours. I know there's somebody in here listening online that that really resonates with. There may be several And I pray that you would give them the courage and the ability to think through how they're going to get that back, whether it's through the help of a counselor, an accountability partner, talking to a pastor, whatever it is, God, just just help us turn that over to you and to make a plan to continue to do that when the baggage comes back because it always will. I thank you so much that our baggage does not define us. We are defined by what you've done on the cross. You've set us free and we are yours. Let us tell the world. In your name we pray, amen.